Hello. You are listening to the Carol Connection. With your host, Jerry Carol. Hey everybody, welcome to The Carol Connection. I am your host, Jared Carroll, here to bring you guys another great episode. I did want to take a chance to shout out last week's episode, well, technically not last week's, the last episode that I recorded, uh, episode 96 with Tyler Senecal. He's an automotive technician, as well as a car drifter. So it was a little bit different type of career conversation, passion conversation than I've, I've had on this podcast. So it was a really great uh, conversation. You can check it out at thecarolconnection.simplecast.com. Also available Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the major listening platforms. So for today, episode 97, bringing another great guest, Julia Albo. Hi, Jared. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you for coming on here. And we've we've had to work around some stuff, which is, is cool. And I haven't seen you in a long time. A so long this time. is like great to sit down. And for you guys who don't know, Juliet was uh, my roommate when we were in Georgia, had a great time, yeah. <laughs> a unique experience. And we'll, we'll dive into that part on the podcast. I know I talk a lot about uh, my experience down there and like the toxic work environment that we both experienced and kind of how this podcast really came to fruition for myself. But for the people, kind of let everyone know who you are and what you're doing currently. Um, so I'm Julia. I am 24 years old. I am currently a an accountant for a financial investment firm. Um, I'm originally, I was born and raised in France and I moved here to north of Boston when I was 13. I was a sophomore in high school, so it was definitely an interesting experience. Uh, I have two sisters, so one, um, two older sisters. So one currently lives still in France and the other one, um, the middle of us, she has Down syndrome, so um, she lives in the U.S. and she's actually partly the reason, or mainly the reason why we moved to the U.S. So, yeah. Um, so I think that pretty much encompasses. Me. Yeah, and we will dive into um, a lot of the conversation we're going to have too is centered around like your experiences growing up in France, coming over to America, and like obviously you go back and forth sometimes to visit as well, and you did recently. So we'll talk about a little bit of that experience. And we'll get into a little bit about your sister as well, because my brother has autism, as I've talked about a little bit on this podcast. So it's nice to talk to someone who can can kind of relate to the experience of having a child with a disability or having a brother or sister with a disability, because it is an experience that a lot of people don't have. So they don't understand um, a lot of the stuff that goes behind it, a lot of the, the care that um, at least my brother needed. And I can imagine that your sister would need as well. And people sometimes lack empathy in that aspect especially as we're growing up in the teenage and like the middle school and the high school years where things get ruthless and so we'll dive into that but how i open up the podcast a little bit too is talking about family dynamic and i know you've talked a little bit about that so if you want to go into a little bit more obviously whatever you're comfortable with like sharing yep um so we when we moved here um it was actually just my mom and my middle sister so her name is rebecca and at first it was really hard um, for us to move here because my dad was a French citizen. So he had to wait to get a green card to be able to come here. And my older sister, she was going through college. So she didn't really um, felt the need to move with us just because college was so different in France and um, compared to the US. So she was already getting into her education and her career. So she did not move with us. Um, and so at first we, we moved here just thinking it would be a, a semester just to see things out. And we ended up staying just because the opportunities here were awesome for my, for Rebecca. And we just ended up staying. So it was actually 
I think two years before my dad was able to get a green card to move to the U.S. with us. Um, so for most of the time, it was just me, my mom, and um, Rebecca. So it was really hard. Uh, my mom was working multiple jobs just to support us because life in America is quite pricey. And um, so after two years, my dad was finally able to get a green card. So he moved um, with us. And my sister, she stayed in France just because it was easier for her. She had her career. I mean, she graduated in France and getting an education in France is very different than the U.S. So she didn't think that they would be, translate as well in the U.S. And we also have our grandparents. We have all the rest of our family in France. So she wasn't completely alone. Um, so, yeah, so I, I it is tough having have our family in the U.S. and have a family in France. But um, we do communicate a lot with FaceTime and WhatsApp and things like that. So yeah. I want to I want to ask, too. So you came over 13, correct, is what you said. Yeah. So are you technically um a French citizen or, or are you American citizen, like based on documentation? Um, so I am a dual citizen. So nice, since nice. my, yeah, so that has been a great advantage. So since my mom is American and my dad is French, um, we were able to get both citizenships at birth, which nice. has been awesome. And it definitely is great to have a European, um, citizenship just to even like travel to different countries. Um, and it does, it's, it's really nice because I feel like I still have that part of the French culture. Like, for example, after this podcast, I'm going to go vote in the French election. Um, so does that count towards like the actual French? Yes. Yeah. Still. So um, it's there's actually a lot of um, French citizens in the U.S. I, I was shocked uh, when I went in the first round. There were so many French citizens that came to vote. Um, but it's nice to have both cultures and both citizenships uh, that allowed me to you know, go from one country to the other so easily. So yeah. So when you originally moved over, did you go back a lot between the two? So actually I did not. So the first time, so I moved when I was 13 and the first time I had been back to France after I moved was in 2019. And that was um, right before we moved to Georgia. So (laughs) it had been, I I think, like seven or eight years since I had been to France. And partly because of just school and work. And also um, it was it was really expensive. And typically my sister would come visit us in the U.S. Um, So it definitely was a huge shock when I went back. Um, because when I left, I was 13. I felt like, you know, I wasn't a kid, but I was, you know, a teenager. I felt like I hadn't really like grown up. So when I did go back, I felt like an adult. I was, um, I think I was 21 at the time. So it was very interesting just reliving everything from a different point of view. And it was, it definitely changed my, I mean, I, it was definitely a defining moment in my life. I would say. Was it hard leaving family? And I'm assuming obviously you're 13, so you have probably some lifelong friends at that point that you're leaving behind to go to America. Um, so it, it was really, really hard, especially, like I said, we were only supposed to go for a semester. And then my mom was just like, well, well, I got a job, so we're staying. Um, so I had to tell my friends that I was not coming back. Um, it was really, really hard. And especially I, it was really hard for me to make friends, uh, in high school. High school was really hard in the U S. Um, so it was hard. And especially my family, um, my family in France was very, very close knit, you know, Italian, French family. We were very, um, close together so not having that dynamic and not having them so close was really hard so yeah yeah I could hard. imagine I mean family for me is like I mean as you know I've definitely talked right. about it especially on the podcast as well is it's kind of everything for me I mean my last name is on the podcast yeah. name so like it, it's something that I value a lot so 
I mean, kudos to your family for deciding to make that move, though. I mean, that is a very hard. I couldn't imagine deciding to move to a whole other country to go pursue something kind of, I mean, it's a little bit bigger than yourself. I mean, right. you're establishing not only the current generation, but like for future generations as well. Like you're kind of digging in some roots here. And like, I think it's, it's dope. Cause I don't know if I've had too many people on the podcast who've had um, immigrant parents technically come over and move to the United States. And I've, when they have shared their experiences, I think Jackie came on and talked about that as well. Um, I forget what episode, I think it was in the fifties. Um, you guys check, definitely check that out as well. But that uniqueness to it to kind of experience a whole different culture from the United States. Like how did that translate? Cause obviously I don't know the the French education system too well. So how is that moving over to the United States, especially at a crucial point in like development? Um, so one thing I should point out too. So my grandmother used to live in North of Boston. So in nice, the summer nice. times growing up, we would always come for two months to visit her. So it's not like I had never been to the U S mm -hmm. also, but it's one thing to vacation here and then one thing to live here. But <laughs> um, in Boston too. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's funny that you bring up Jackie's podcast because I saw so many resemblance when I came here because the French education system is very vigorous. Like um, we took multiple languages. We took geography and history. We took geometry and calculus and algebra. We always were, I mean, we went to school from 8 to 5 p.m. every single day. So our classes were very advanced. So when I moved here, I actually was in more advanced classes because um, I remember I came sophomore year and they they made me take like a, a mock MCAS to see my level and I scored pretty much very advanced. So they put me in honors classes and AP classes like right off the bat. And I remember just thinking how it's just it's it was crazy to me that, for example, you just needed one year of algebra or like two years of Spanish. I mean, to me, we were taking Spanish. I, I was taking advanced English, Latin, and Spanish ever since like fifth grade. So it was definitely interesting to me to see how kind of lax the school system was in the U.S. per se. And and one thing that's very interesting, for example, in high school in France, you have to pick kind of your major. So you go in a voice, they call it. So it's either like scientific or literature, or like mathematics, and you have to stick to that high school like major. And then it kind of sets the tone for your college years but it, it was definitely I was definitely at an advantage when I moved here school-wise um, but I did have believe it or not I did have a thick accent when I moved here so I, I was, was gonna ask that yeah I was in ESL classes so that helped me a lot just to you know get up to date with the English language and I remember um when I took like my MCAS or whatever it was sophomore year I had a dictionary because there were some words I couldn't even I didn't even know what they were um but so it's definitely it was definitely hard though trying to express myself uh I remember just feeling so frustrated at the times just I could not express how I like what I wanted to say just because of the language barrier um but math honestly was like my favorite class just because you know math is universal so yeah. um and I feel like that's why now I'm an accountant just because numbers come so easy but I feel yeah. the same way I always say it too it's like people well, why'd you pick accountant like I, I hated that in I the know. school it's like to me it was like it just always made sense yeah. numbers just always made sense yeah. like English was so like also I saw something on TikTok was like um if you had a good relationship with your English teacher, you always did well. Yeah. And like, I'm like, dude, what that? Like, it's kind of true. Like, cause like I usually get like B's and C's. Like I never could get A's. And then I had one teacher who was a football coach. A's every time, right. like A's every time. So like I was like gravitated towards math 
and like it just it just made sense. The numbers right. always just added up. Yeah. So like, I can relate to you in that aspect, and obviously work together. So we kind right. of experienced that. Yeah. And like I I trained you when you first came over yeah, to the company that we used to work for, and like so that's really where the relationship right. started. And we knew I think we knew of each other because right. I remember um not to dig down to that that path again, but like uh our ma- my manager at the time who ended up being your manager was like mm-hmm. oh we're going to UMass Dartmouth to recruit, and then they brought you on, and then. I went into the program and where I was able to go to Texas and Georgia, as I've talked about in the podcast. And that is how we met. And so it's a small world. It's crazy. And like, I would have never, once I met you knew that you went, like you lived and were born in France. Right. Like it's kind of crazy yeah. to show that you can lose an accent. Like that's kind of crazy. Yeah. And, and the thing is what's really interesting is when I read out loud, you can truly hear my accent. It just, I don't know why reading out loud, but there are some words that are really hard for me. Like our words are really hard for some reason, yeah. but what's really interesting is like um, ridiculous, like re- or reconciliation. <laughs> <laughs> that is a hard word as an accountant, but it's just, it's, it's crazy. Some people are just so shocked because I speak so, um, as fluent in French as I do in English. Um, but with that being said, now that I live in the U.S. and have been living in the U.S. for 10 years, now that I go back to France, I really struggle speaking French sometimes. And it does take me a bit of time to um, like get used to speaking French all the time because now I the only time I speak French is with my dad at mm-hmm. home so it, it is tough i don't have the same exposure exposure at there it is no that makes <laughs> sense if you're not continually speaking right. in french all the time like right. it, you're gonna lose some things and like you said picking up on probably some of the slang too that right. that american because yeah. i mean it's changing every fucking week right. basically is right. slang so like imagine coming in and like some people saying stuff like i don't know what the hell right. these people are saying like <laughs> yeah. you need urban dictionary or like something. so like you 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 would say though it definitely coming from a French education system that you had an advantage right. coming into the United States, which is sounds like a lot of people who have made that transition have agreed with that. And obviously usually the hardest part is that the language barrier, which yeah. is kind of difficult. Um, I want to dive a little bit into kind of like maybe sports that you play or hobbies. And um, I'll let you kind of take the floor and kind of like your experiences playing those sports and like building relationships. Cause I think that, a huge part of my podcast and laying down the foundation, usually the first episode when people come on is like the family dynamic, where you're from, like your parent structure, like where, where you kind of were raised and we get into the sports aspect. I little I do it for myself too, a little bit to kind of just like, cause I think it lays down the, the, like I said, the foundation of the conversation of like kind of who you are and what you're going through because a lot of our development is through these early years. So I'll let you kind of take the floor with the, the whole sports aspect. Yeah. Um, so when I moved here, obviously in high school, I felt like, how do I make friends <laughs> by joining sports teams? Um, so I joined my sophomore year, the volleyball team. And um, so I had never played volleyball before. So I was like, why, why not? And my team, so my high school was very small. It was a very small school. So there weren't a lot of people necessarily trying out. So I obviously made the team, which was nice. Um but it was, um, I mean, definitely challenging because I had never played volleyball before, but I had met a lot of people that, you know, did become somewhat my friends, but at the time, um, being, I'll be vulnerable, but I was going through a really abusive relationship in sophomore year. Um, so I know that kind of ostracized myself, like from go. the volleyball team. Um, so it, it was really hard for me, um, cause I was so sucked into the, to this relationship right off the bat when I first moved there. Um, so it was really hard for me to make friends even when I was in sports team. Um, 
And then I'll ask it like the first year of me being there my whole sophomore year. So I joined the volleyball team and it, it was nice. I met friends, but it wasn't like I was best friends with these girls or, you know, like very close. I mean, I did make good friends, but it wasn't like my, you know, my like best friends in the whole world. Uh, and then I did swim team. So honestly, I had been swimming my whole entire life. Um, me and both my sisters, we always swam competitively our whole lives. Um, so it was really nice to just, you know, like go into this sports team and feel comfortable like doing something that I have done my whole life um and I met really good people on that swim team and it was also swim team it was at 5 a.m so <laughs> before school and I feel like you know you're in high school like waking up at 5 a.m you kind of just bond with these people because you're like uh, who who wants to wake up at 5 a.m in the winter of New England winter so um Swim team, honestly, was some of, like, the fondest memories I've, I had of high school, um, and, yeah, so, and then after that, I did tennis. I had never played tennis before, but it's, it's surprisingly a sport you can really pick up really fast, so, um, but playing tennis, um, definitely made me realize just, like, the disadvantages that there were at the, um, at the high school, so the town that I moved to is a wealthier, predominant, mainly white um yeah predominantly predominantly uh white school so um it was really hard you there was a lot of you know affluent um people that went to my school i mean i went to high school with people who didn't even have their licenses and they got a beamer like for their 16th birthday you know and obviously when we moved here we were not like that at all so tennis i would have said you know it's mainly a very um you know it's very rich sport per se um so there was definitely some disadvantages i felt like playing on the team and um the people that were on the team were nice i mean my doubles partner was one of my like best friends in high school i would say like i love her to death and um she helped me a lot through high school so it i had mixed feelings about sports team like I it, it was tough I feel like I didn't have the same experience as a lot of normal people would have had but yeah yeah I think because I always say sports are like a lot of the foundation where we make yeah. you can make lifelong friends right. from sports and a lot of the people that I've had on the hot podcast are from my sports teams when I was younger and that just goes to show like the value in like the relationships that you can form with people through sports and also keeps you active and i think there's always huge benefit in a society that is kind of at least in western society is not usually like forcing activity and like being active in a healthy diet as it once was and it's interesting to see especially when covid becomes a thing like how that really affects a lot of these things and i really felt for a lot of these kids that lost out in sports seasons in high school and college as well because those were crucial years for a lot of people and especially myself and I, I definitely feel for those those individuals that lost out on that because you don't it's not something you get back. Like mm-hmm. time continues to move on, and we continue to get older and grow and move forward. So it sucks for stuff like that. But I'm glad that you were able to come to America, start playing sports, and to build those friendships because I could imagine that was kind of like an easier way to make friends. And because I definitely I know from my perspective as living in someone that's lived in Seekonk my whole life, like when new students come in. People do, it's like, oh, who's the new girl or who's the new guy, who's the new boy? And, like, everyone just, like, interested. So, like, how was that? Because, like, were you, when you were in France, did you ever change schools at all? Were you always kind of, like, in that school system? Um, So I always was in the same school system. So, actually, um, we, so 
fun fact, my dad, um, he was a gendarme, which is like kind of in the military, in the French military. So we um, lived on a base, an army base. I don't know if I ever told you this. No, no. But, um, but actually, so it was a very like knit, close knit. Um, all my friends growing up were also in that base. Um, and we all went to school together and we had like a lot of close friendships. Um, but so... I think when I was maybe in like early middle school, um, we left the base and went into like a house that was still part of like the military, like housing, but it was just like off the base and just changing the dynamic was so odd because I was so used to, you know, like after school, just like hanging out with my friends, like on the army base and then um, just moving to the house and not really having anyone, which is such a weird um, change. But um, we were in the same school system, but a year before we moved to the U.S., we actually moved uh, to the middle of France, middle of nowhere. And it was just so hard um, meeting people. And it was just such a weird dynamic because it was, I think it was so our equivalent of freshman year of high school. And, you know, everyone was in their groups. And because mm-hmm. freshman year of high school actually is in middle school in France. Oh. So middle school is four years in France and then high school is three years. Interesting. Yeah. So everyone had already all their friends, you know, it was really hard to make friends. So it's probably a better way to divide that, to be honest, because like that freshman year is like that teeters on like you kind of got the still you got that middle school energy to you. And like that's when a lot of people are still hitting puberty. So you wait to that that sophomore through. So that's actually kind of a interesting way to divide the schools. It seems like a better way, in my opinion. No, it it definitely is better. And especially four years, I feel like was awesome. And, you know, we were able to do so much more. Um, But yeah, that makes sense. I want to ask kind of like a layup question for you. But like for people that or maybe there is like someone that is from that maybe from your friend group in France or like maybe there is some younger kid out there who stumbles upon this podcast somehow. what would your advice be to someone that is moving over from a foreign country to the United States and wants to kind of establish them and make some friends? Like, what would your advice be to that? Honestly, um, so to just, it's okay to get out of your comfort zone. I feel like I was so in my shell and that's why also it was so hard for me to make friends because I just was, you know, like kept to myself. And I think to get out of your comfort zone and to just, you know, like get out there and try to make friends and, you know, like maybe join a club that you wouldn't normally have joined or, you know, like maybe take up band or something that you normally wouldn't have done um i think that will help and also um definitely try to learn the language as much as you can before you go and the best way to do that i always say to watch shows in a different language i mean that's actually how um we grew up and learned english is my mom always told us we always had to watch tv in english like hannah montana in english like disney channel in english and to just listen to as much as you can in the other language is the best way to learn a language so. Wow, that's actually really interesting. Yeah. And like, that's not something that I would have thought of too. Because like, I would thought like maybe it's like, I mean, it makes sense too. Like to hear the way that they're talking and the dialect the and the yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Hannah Montana might be an interesting one because you get an interesting <laughs> accent there. <laughs> you come over talking a little yeah. southern too. That would have yeah. been funny. But like, that makes a lot of sense. And that's actually some really good advice to even if you're going to like go to a foreign country and visit. I think that is something that people right. don't do. That was like, cause I don't speak Spanish. When I visited Spain, like luckily uh, my sister-in-law spoke some Spanish and like my brother had lived there long enough to like understand like the basics. Yeah. So like you could understand and communicate to a degree. And obviously we live in a time, thank God for modern technology with right. Google translate and things know, like yeah. that. But I don't think enough people 
in the United States get an opportunity to go visit other countries and people are so narrow-minded with the way they view the world. Uh, you can kind of talk about that because, I, I mean, you could probably have seen, obviously, coming here and talking to people, there is a very closed mind view of kind of how things operate. Um, so I talk about this with my friends all the time. And so, for example, growing up, I we were so I grew up in the south of France and um, I was born in Toulouse. And then we grew up in a town not too far from there, maybe, um, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half from there. Um, so we were very close to the Spanish border. And growing up, I always remember we would take day trips to Spain, to St. Sebastian, which I don't know if you have the chance to go one day, but it is one of my favorite places ever. I think it's so beautiful there. Um, but being in Europe and grow up, growing up in Europe, you have so much opportunity to just go to a different country and learn a different culture by even going for a weekend. And growing up in middle school, I had the opportunity to go to Spain on a school trip and to go to Italy on a school trip. And just having that opportunity as a young kid honestly like changed a lot of my views. And just learning about the different cultures and having that you know access to go to a different country so easily i think that people growing up in the united states don't necessarily have that opportunity and i think that is what is tough i mean i i always say it's so shocking to me i meet people in the u.s that have no desire to leave the u.s or like don't even have a passport or don't even you know like they never even want to go to canada and to me, it's so shocking to me because there's just so much out in the world to discover. And I mean, I, there's just so much I want to see. And for, and I, I do understand there is a lot to see in the U.S. I mean, and the U.S. is so vast and there's so much, even like from the north to the south is so different. I mean, we experienced it. <laughs> I mean, it's so different. Um, but you know, I mean, there's just so much culture, rich culture to discover in the world. So I think if you have the opportunity to definitely just take it and do it. No, I, cause I would agree to that. A lot of people will stay in the places that they're born and like right. maybe take a trip to Florida. Like right. that's like, and, and especially in our area, I feel like, I don't know why something about new England, people just stay in new England forever. And yeah. I came back. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I did too. But. <laughs> Fact, so. <laughs> I think cause like with new England, um, you experience all four seasons right. uh, and at least in the area that we live in too. I mean, you have mountains up in Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont very easily. You have Boston right nearby. Right. Providence is very close by. You have Newport, you have the ocean, you have Cape yeah. Cod. Yeah. Like you really what experience you everything. Yeah, yeah. You really realistically can. And I always argue with people. I'm like, Oh, they hate, especially people from Seekonk are like, Oh, I hate Seekonk. I'm like, why? Right. Like, I, like, I understand you shouldn't stay in your hometown forever. I don't, I definitely would agree to that sentiment, but like, this was like such a great environment to grow up. And like, obviously I know everyone comes from different family backgrounds and family dynamics as I've learned through this podcast, but with Seekonk, like the great school system, like great teachers, great like community, like it's not like that everywhere. And like people take that for granted. It's kind of like a uh, privilege or uh, what's the, what's the saying? Um, it's blind to people who have it. Um, Oh damn, I can't remember it. It's something to do with privilege and like people who have the privilege don't really see the right. the negatives out there cuz all yeah. you know is kind of your experience sometimes. Yeah. So if you don't have these experiences and like that was something that I really valued by going to Texas and going to yeah. Georgia was like seeing the poorer parts of these towns yeah. and like how divided they could be racially as well and that was something that was very eye-opening i mean when we we're driving to our apartment just seeing confederate flags and like that's just something that's very different i mean yeah. you see it on the trucks up here with some fucking kids no, over here but and there but it was in georgia it was 
intense. I mean, I remember driving with my mom and I, we were just so shocked how openly everyone had Confederate flags everywhere. I mean, it was shocking. Yeah, and I think that goes it's to experience, though. Like, right. people need to experience these different environments to, like, to get a more full picture. Like, you're never going to have the, the clearest picture of everyone's opinion in every, right. every uh, country and state out there, but trying to visit them is a huge aspect of that. And I feel like there's no shade in people like you know staying in the same place like you know where you grew up but also having that desire to go somewhere else you know an experience you don't have to pack up and move your whole life you know it's like a different place but definitely you know like travel and so i actually was lucky um i spent a summer in israel and that was really 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 eye-opening just you know with everything happening in israel and um so i went for an internship but i think that summer was the most eye-opening of my whole entire life and just seeing everything that was happening over there and you know it just made me so grateful for everything i had here and i remember before i left i was just you know like so unhappy i was like uh i hate college i hate like everything i have like i'm not happy and then seeing everything that was happening over there and i came back and i was just so grateful about the littlest things and you know i feel like we're so stuck in our daily lives that we don't enjoy the value of what we have and i think that it's putting ourselves in different situations will definitely open our eyes up more i agree it's a it's a it's a perspective thing because i don't mm -hmm. think um people are willing to move from their perspective or their mm -hmm. their own opinion sometimes and it's especially in a culture now where everything is very divided um politically socially economically like we're very divided on a lot of aspects and i mean as part of what makes this country great sometimes is the diversity is that we have so many different opinions and the ability to express those opinions i think that's 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 what makes at least america different than a lot of countries because a lot of countries don't have the freedom to just kind of say whatever and like obviously there's negatives to that because you can allow really radical groups to have a voice and like mm -hmm. that's the negative of freedom of speech is like there's there's two sides to every coin and like mm -hmm. i don't think people want to look at the other side of the coin sometimes because you don't know what's on that other side and i think to get a fuller picture of that other side of the coin is you have to look and you have to ask questions like you might not agree like i've had people on the podcast that i don't always agree with their opinion every time and i think i would assume that they don't agree with mine mm -hmm. but like being able to sit down and have a conversation and discuss these viewpoints and like why we believe what we believe and where we come from and then if we don't agree we're just like all right i don't hate them for right. for what they believe but we can move past it and still have love for them as human beings and i think part of that is having that experience in different places and like seeing different people and people really miss out on that and it's really it's really sad and as someone who loves new england i would love to like raise family in the area still like you said take vacations go experience travel this world is so large and we get stuck in our own cubicles sometimes right. at work or stuck in our own houses and like i'm one of those people i'm very introverted like i don't right. like to like go out and i haven't taken a vacation in two years a lot of it i mean i've been dedicating towards this podcast right. but like and covid too but like that's something i still want is to go travel I, I make a i make time out of my day to go hike and go see the mountains and like be in nature and i think that's a huge thing because people just don't do that and it's i think it's kudos to you for being willing to go travel i know you mentioned too that you're planning a trip to like spain by yourself and i yeah. think that's like interesting because like People don't do that. Right. It's scary. 
I, I mean, it's definitely scary. And so I, one, it was just one day I was like, no, what? I want to go somewhere. And I was looking up flights to Europe because I knew I wanted to go somewhere in Europe. And I saw flights to Portugal were so cheap. And I was just like, you know what? F it. I'm just going to do it. And I, I felt like I always was waiting for my friends to, you know, be able to go travel and do things together. And it's tough because, you know, some of our friends were all in different financial situations. You never know, you know? So I was just like, why am I waiting for people to come do things that I want to do? So I just said, F it, and I'm going to do it. So it's really nice because, so I'm going to Lisbon for a couple of days, and then I'm going to go to Spain. And it's, what's really nice is my sister is actually going to meet me in Barcelona, which is huge because she lives in Europe, so she's able to do that. So, uh, so it will be nice. So the first part of my trip is by myself, which is really scary and putting myself out of my comfort zone but i'm i'm really excited for it so that'll be sick and i mean kudos to you again like i mean people just don't do that nowadays and like that's something i i'm looking towards um trying to play on my family is like an ireland trip i'm Mm -hmm. irish i mean carol um mostly portuguese ironically (laughs) enough but i definitely identify as irish most of the time but going to ireland going back going out there to kind of experience it and that's something that i want to do is and that was something i was really planning for before covid was like to really start traveling yeah. europe and it's on my list and like if it, i'm pretty sure it's in my high school yearbook is to like travel europe and go to hawaii i think yeah. like i put that in there and like that's something that i'm gonna do and it's something that i'm really planning on because i actually through tiktok and stuff i've made a lot of friends in different countries and like i have friends in norway united kingdom oh. uh, ireland spain um kuwait like a lot of different like countries and like it, it gives you a different perspective like talking to these people and like relating to them especially when we bonded over my content is like relationship stuff mm-hmm. we bonded over that and then to to hear a little bit about their lives and i have tons of friends all over the united states from that that app so like i really appreciate that and like i want to go experience that and travel but i want to take the conversation and go into a little bit about the career stuff and about kind of like your college experience like you're finishing up high school um you're looking at possibly college like what was your reason for going to college um so i felt like college not going to college was never an option for me so my family really pushed it on me um so i'm actually the first person in my family to graduate from college per se um so at first, I actually um, went to college for computer science, believe it or not. Huh. Yep. I could see you doing that. Very, not. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. So I remember my senior year of high school, I failed a computer science class. And um, <laughs> a semester later, I was going to college for computer science. And I remember my mom just being like, just stick with it. You never know. It could have been like one bad class. Um, not a bad career to get into yeah, nowadays, though. That's what I'm saying. So when I, um, so at first I, uh, my goal was to go to UMass Amherst and I got waitlisted from UMass Amherst, which was a very humbling moment. Um, <laughs> That's surprising too, with like kind right. of coming from like France. And right. So weird. it was very humbling. So, um, and also since I was the first person to go to college, like an American college, we had no clue what the process was. So, um, applying for college in France and applying for college here is very, very different. Um, just having to be so surrounded and, you know, like having to be like just everything. It was, it was very tough. And my college essay was, I struggled, um, as English was my second language. It was not a strong essay. Um, and so I remember I just decided to go to UMass Dartmouth and I had never seen the school before, never toured it, never seen it. Um, not that I thought badly about UMass Dartmouth or anything. Right. It's, 
the prettiest campus in Massachusetts, actually. <laughs> I like it. Well, I grew on me in like, yeah, I mean, like, it's, there's a weird aesthetic to it. That's, yeah, that's, it's futuristic, it's I would say. Yeah, I like the like the library's fucking sick. Right. I love yeah. the library. Um, but so I remember I was just um, going to go for one semester, and my goal was to transfer to UMass Amherst for computer science. So my first semester at UMass Dartmouth hated computer science. I was not into it at all. And you could just tell there were half the people that were actual programmers that wanted to do this and half the people that just wanted to make money. And so I fell in like the, I don't even know why I'm here category. Um, so I remember I was, um, I did my first year, did not transfer to UMass Amherst. I just stayed at UMass Dartmouth. I, and I remember I was lifeguarding one summer and I just like, was watching the pool and I was like, I cannot do one more year of computer science. I cannot. So the next day I went to UMass Dartmouth, drove down and changed my major. Um, and I just went into business because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And so my mom was an accountant and my grandmother was an accountant. So it kind of just ran in the family. And my first semester, sophomore year, I had an accounting class and this one accounting professor at UMass just completely like changed my like career i felt like he i loved his class i loved him as a person um who was it uh professor griffin oh yeah 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 yeah. and he was awesome and he was the reason i changed to accounting so yeah and then the rest is history so i actually um did college in three and a half years so i graduated early and um my last year i think it was i was interning um at the same place jared was working at yeah and that was uh we ended up both getting into the program after the fact and that's how we ended up teaming up in in uh georgia Georgia. which was a interesting experience (laughs) we can dive into a little bit about that in a sec but I went for um, criminal justice originally. I was my whole plan was to go navy. Like yeah. I was gonna go navy out of school. I went to actually boot camp for a little bit. Didn't pan out. Yeah. And then I was kind of like, "What the fuck am I supposed to do in my life now?" Because my whole plan was to go go military and just stick with that. Cause my my brother did that, so I just kind of copy paste and like. Yeah. I'm thankful that it didn't go that route, because for a, I didn't realize it at the time was. I was following his footsteps and not my own and I wasn't really being myself. And when I went for criminal justice, I was like, what am I doing? Like I'm doing, like I would have just done this in the military. I'm just doing it. Like this doesn't make sense. So like one does switch to business. And when I looked at all the majors, I didn't want to just do business management. I was like, that's too vague. Uh, I wish I did marketing. I'm not going to lie. Like I would have been a good, a good marketer. Cause like I had to learn with this stuff, but like, and I looked at accounting and I think in one of the, I think it was maybe the 101 class or 102, whatever it was, they kind of talked about being the language of business. And that spoke to me. And I was like, math was always something I was good at. And like, it just made sense. And I was like, I could take this and apply this to whatever I do. And like, I don't know if I want to be an accountant forever, but I always wanted to understand the financials of a business. So like when I do, cause I would love to like make this like an LLC and like make a business out of this. And I'd want to know the financials. I might not want to necessarily run it myself, but to when someone can present me what my financial statements are for the year, I know what I'm looking at. And that's something that really like attracted me to the profession. And like, I was always, a, I like consistency. I like having like a cyclical way about life. And mm-hmm. that just kind of just was natural and just flowed in. And some people don't like the redundance of it, but like, I like knowing what I'm going to do mm-hmm. and like having some, flexibility to have different things pop up do throughout the month or the year but for the most part i know what i'm doing right. and like i like that and like i like the consistency and i like that 
about the profession. And a lot of people say it could be boring or difficult, but and both can be true. Both can be true. But there is a lot of value that one can gain from going down this path. And I would definitely say, make sure you're good with numbers and, and like Excel. Like <laughs> Excel, if you're not, yeah. if you're not the, or pivot tables, yeah. pivot tables are life. Um, if you don't know that, don't get into the career. Yeah. <laughs> I would have definitely advised that, but anything like, and especially if you're going to do accounting, anything you can merge with it as well, huge advantage of a huge right. advantage in, in this growing this growing market considering around like different databases and how, information is processed and kind of like computed and spit out into the financial statement. So if anyone is listening, that's looking or in that kind of business area and wants to do accounting, if you can merge it with some type of IT. You'll be far ahead of a lot of people because as long as you understand the accounting of a lot of stuff, the IT and then the mapping part of the IT side, man, you'll be golden in every aspect. Yeah. There's so many times I regret that. And I feel like also something that was so desirable, like, getting an accounting career is there was so many jobs and there will always be accounting jobs and even like right now the market is so hot there is just so many accounting jobs but with that being said when I was going to when I was doing undergrad I remember there was such a you know like oh are you going to go public accounting or private accounting and there was such shame in not going public um, but I have to say I am just happy every day I never went into public accounting just because of the hours and you know like there's no work-life balance in public accounting I mean maybe there is but I mean everyone I know who has gone public just have not been happy I mean they work crazy amount of hours and you know i feel like there was such shame and not going into public accounting but i i'm happy every day that i yeah people not. always ask oh you're getting your cpa or right, whatever it's right. like yeah i always yeah. say emphatically no yeah. i don't want that i don't and, that right. or tax so it's like right. i'm just not oh, yeah, no. not interested i'm not attacked you posted on something on instagram it's, it's like it's taxes and i'm not a tax accountant I know. it's like every year i post it's a friendly reminder that i have nothing to do with taxes even though i'm an accountant but, i just i say i just don't like it right. i took the classes i don't like the fact that it changes all the time because administration's right. not interested like right. i get this good money in it right but it's a constant reminder don't do a career just because of the money don't right. do it like that was part of the attractiveness of accountant was like the the financial aspect of it right. but with any career obviously be realistic like you're gonna need to provide for yourself and if, right. especially if you're looking if you're very future oriented you want family and all these things it's a great solid career that's consistent no doubt always gonna be jobs but if you get bored very easily and you like are going to chase just the check every time, this career is not going to be for you. It's just not. And like a lot, you could say that about a lot of careers. Like just don't chase checks. Be realistic. Get a career that can support you financially. And then what I say to a lot of people, I mean, it's part of the reason I do this podcast. I have something else aside that gives me purpose, that gives me passion. And could this eventually in the future somehow support me financially? Yes. But like, if it doesn't, I have the career that gives me money, that I enjoy my coworkers, that I enjoy what I do. Like, do I love it? No. But do I hate it? No. Right. And I think it goes back to, we were talking a little bit about balance off the podcast and like having the work-life balance. And that was something that, and I'm glad that you're kind of like, because you were very career, when we first were yeah. starting up, you were very career, career, career. Yeah. And I was like, yo, you're crazy for that. Like, yeah. I just like, I was just not, like I understood the value in like the mindset that you were going, but I'm glad that you're kind of, switching towards like i want to experience life right and i think a lot ha of that has to do with just you know my experience of having the culture in france i feel like over there they're very you know they work to live they don't live to work i feel like in the u.s we're just work 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 and i think that 
when I first started my career, I was very like, you know, I'm going to follow in the footsteps. I'm going to go to grad school. I'm going to get my CPA. I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. I'm going to be successful. But I feel like in the recent years, I've just been like, you know what? Like, especially with the pandemic, I feel like that changed a lot. I just, you know, want to be happy in life. And I can be happy in life without being like a CFO one day or, you know, like being like the v- senior VP of like my company. I mean, I'm still going to work hard. I'm, I think that's just my work ethic. I'm always going to work hard. Um, but I feel like my priorities have definitely switched and changed. I feel like I just want to, you know, like do what I have to do and also experience life. I feel like, you know, work is just, it's sad to say, but it is a big part of our life, but you know, there's just so much more out there that we can experience. So priorities have definitely shifted. No, and I love hearing that because, and I think it's great for someone to vocalize that on a podcast because a lot of us will get consumed by our careers. And like you said, it's work, work, work in the United States. And like, even like this toxic, like entrepreneur mindset that's really pushed, like you have to be an entrepreneur, you have to own your own business. And like, you don't, if everyone was an entrepreneur, we would not have a successful like society. Like it's just not, it's not possible. Like people need to be doing certain jobs and we need people in different roles. Like you need a trash man. You need someone that delivers the mail. You need someone that's a teacher. You need someone that's a police officer. Like no one's going to love their job 24 seven. If you do, you're one of the lucky ones. It's, It's rare that someone falls into a career that is also your passion. It's very rare. So like accepting that and like realizing there is more to life. And like for me, and we talk, I've talked openly on the podcast and I talked to you about it, is like family. That's something that I value and it's something looking forward, which people cannot do nowadays. And I get why. I mean, you throw a pandemic, life is so short and all this, all these nonsense go with the flow and like they have value. This has value in our society. But like I said to you off the podcast is like, you got to have a plan. Like people just don't have plans and like you can't just don't be so rigid in your plan that you just don't get off of it. Cause like life changes, but plan, like, I think it's, I think it's a good thing to do and to have some type of five-year plan, a 10 year plan. And I used to like hate that, but like, as I've gotten older, like there is value in that, you know, right. just makes sense to do that. And I want to talk a little bit about um, our Georgia experience. Yeah. Cause like, <laughs> cause you were there yep. while I was going through a lot of that stuff and you are as well in this toxic work environment. But I, I always say like, I appreciated that environment because I learned kind of a little bit about myself and like you don't always get to experience a toxic work environment. So I kind of want to know from like your perspective how you kind of were able to like cope with this. Um, Yeah, so looking back at the situation, I definitely feel like it has taught me just what I don't want in life. And, you know, I feel like I don't have regrets going there. I just, I feel like it definitely taught me a lot about myself, like you said, and just what I can handle and what I cannot handle. Um, And one thing that I reflect a lot is just how much it affected my personal relationships. Um, I mean, I was miserable and I have no shame in that. I was miserable with my life. I was miserable with my work life and a hundred percent it was because of work. And it was just, you know, at the end of the day, was it worth it? I don't think so. And that's what I think, you know, made me rip the bandaid and leave. It just was not worth it at the end of the day. It was affecting my health. It was affecting my mental health. It was affecting every aspect of my life. And it was consuming me. I felt like, and to this day, I feel like I somewhat have a little bit of PTSD just from <laughs> the experience. And, Same. You know, and I feel like, um, 
the best moment of my life was leaving that company and which is crazy to say so early on in your career but um it was not worth it and you know i felt like i was so engulfed in this company and i felt like it was my whole life and there was so much shame in leaving and you know like so early on in my com in my career but not worth it yeah what would your because like this is a, a good kind of like layup question for you too is kind of like your advice to someone who's in a toxic work environment and like doesn't know if they should stay or leave like what would your advice be to that just leave <laughs> i mean you know i remember um upper management was like oh the grass isn't always greener but it is it's very green on the other side and you know it's just no job is worth selling your soul for i mean sorry to be dramatic but it's it's true i felt like it was i mean you know we were working late nights and just for upper management that just did not give flying shit about us and it was just so toxic and i remember we used to come home and just be like so drained and like just so miserable and at what cost these were the happiest years of our life supposedly you know we were young um but this toxic work environment was consuming us and it made me such a miserable person like i remember at the time i was in a relationship and i felt like it just definitely affected my relationship i would put it on him and you know it just was not a good situation so just leave and it, it i remember the day i quit i felt like my life was ending like i i <laughs> i felt this completely opposite i, I was know. like weight was lifted off my I shoulder know. i was so I remember, happy <laughs> i know i just i felt like you were, you i think you transferred basically i transferred though. yeah so before i quit georgia i tra i mean so before i quit the company i left georgia mm -hmm. and transferred to back to corporate in providence and um the day i quit i remember i felt like my life was ending i was just i had a pit in my stomach i was like crying in my office i was like oh my god i can't do this and it honestly felt like i was in an abusive relationship like i just i mean it's just like you know you you stay you stay in this situation you know it's not a good situation but you stay and the happiest of my life was to quit and i remember those two weeks no one spoke a word to me like i just no one came and said congratulations no one said like oh like hope you know like hope everything goes well and that's when i knew that i made the right decision leaving and i look back and that was the happiest day of my life was leaving that company and now i'm much happier in my current company and you know even on my worst days at my current company i always say it's not as bad as my old jobs so. i do that all the time I oh, shit like i swear like because like i felt a lot of that stress too and like when i left like i, I knew a lot of the stuff that was having your personal life and right. like i knew selfishly i knew like that if you left before me i'm stuck here like right. i can't leave and like i don't i don't think i would have had the courage to leave right. and i don't know if like me leaving helped you leave 100%. but like when i was doing it i literally remember the night before i left before i quit i literally looked at you too and i think you probably knew that i was gonna do it yes I knew. and like i i stay up to like three four o'clock in the morning and like i was googling am i just having a bad day yeah. is this just a bad day and i was like why is every day a bad day and that was like eye-opening for me because like you're taught to like just suck it up especially as a man like i mean this was some of the advice that i was getting from family was yeah, just suck it up right. like just deal with it and i was like how long do i have to suck it up where i literally like not being dramatic was like i don't want to be here i don't want to be alive doing right. this like i was like i'd rather be dead than doing this any longer right. and like that was like kind of like a dead tail sign where i realized like how important mental health was to me and I was super into podcasts and like that's when like when I quit and like I had some days to kind of reflect and I was like and I've said this in the podcast like what do I do that provides any value to the world 
And I was like, I, I couldn't think of anything. And I'm like, what am I doing with my time? Like, I'm obviously making impact on family and friends and like the work I'm providing some value. But when I looked at what was mine, I had nothing. I literally had nothing to my name besides like a, a career that was crumbling in front of my face. So it birthed this podcast where I was able to have conversations and express myself and get back towards kind of that kid who I used to be and be more creative. And I think we need that more in society is being willing to kind of, I literally have it tatted on me, like take a chance. Like yeah. when my grandfather said on the podcast episode two, I'll rest in peace. But that, experience was everything and like i've i kind of go back on it a lot and it sounds like you do as well yeah i mean i refer to it way too much but it's also you know i felt like my mental health was so bad from work and i felt so drained at the end of the day that i had no energy to do anything else i was out of work i mean like i couldn't like even just anything i felt like my brain was so fried from you know just being so miserable at work and you know looking back it's just we were in that culture that toxic toxic work culture and that's not normal and you know i just feel like that shouldn't be what anyone should have to go through especially so early on in our career that is not normal and i felt like i when we were working there i kept being like okay like maybe i am being dramatic like maybe you know like i'm too sensitive maybe you know like i'm not tough but that's just not normal. What we went through is not normal. And I, I feel like, you know, and even now I talk to people who are still at the company and, you know, nothing much has changed. A little bit has changed, I think, from us leaving. And because we are not the only people who have left because of these situations, too. Um, but it's definitely not normal. And, you know, it makes you think, like, how many corporate Americas are like that, too. You know, what yeah. other corporate are like that. So. I mean, I hope there was some type of change and maybe not change in the company, but at least the people that yeah. were that we were with. And because right. I didn't give no two weeks or nothing. I did no, fucking left. <laughs> before 830, he was gone. <laughs> I literally hit up uh, the the HR rep in Providence. I was like, yeah. yo, I can't do this. Yeah. Like, and like I, we, no one blamed you. I mean, it was it was bad. Yeah, I just I think they were cooking the books, too. I ain't gonna I lie. Mean, like, yeah, no, some, some, <laughs> no, but I mean, even I remember I talked to the HR person after you left and I was like, you know, like there has been at least four people who have quit. And we had been there for what? Not even three months. Yeah. Not even three and months. like how much turnover you have? Like, isn't that a red flag? She was like, no, we just see it at people like just going to get better uh, opportunities. <laughs> and I was like, no offense, but anything is better than this. <laughs> so any other opportunity is a better opportunity. But man. Yeah craziness craziness yeah. in this world but, uh i want to start wrapping up this podcast yeah. we're coming towards the end it's been a great podcast yeah. um do you want to say anything before i get to my last question you know what the last question is yes. but did you want to say anything prior um i don't think so okay cool yeah. so juliet the last question i have for you is what would your advice be to someone who wants to pursue their passion yeah so i said just I think I said this before, but getting out of your comfort zone, I think that, you know, I feel like it's just taking that leap is just, you know, it's scary. And I feel like there's a lot of anxiety, but like you said, like planning might help a lot and just, you know, try to take away those uncomfortable by planning. I feel like you can, you know, get out there and see what goals you need to achieve to just do it. And everything in life is scary, but you just have to take that first step and, you know, get out of your comfort zone and it's going to help you and benefit you in the future. So Perfect way to wrap up this podcast. I appreciate you coming on here and expressing yourself and your story. Like 
thank you. It's been a great, great podcast. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you. So I'll give you guys a little spiel. If you guys like the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe. You can check it out at carolconnection.com or carolconnection.simplecast.com. Don't know how I messed that one up this time. <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the major listening platforms. So till next time, guys, peace. <laughs> <laughs>